as we continue in worship this morning, looking through God's work. You know, I'm reminded of I'm reminded of many of things. And unfortunately, one of the things I've been reminded this week is we live in an angry world where it seems that anger is all the unintended rage. And if you don't speak up quick enough, someone is mad because you didn't speak up quick enough. And if you do, if you're one of the first ones to speak up, somebody is mad because you were one of the first ones to speak up. If you take a stand, someone's upset. If you don't take a stand, someone is upset. And then sometimes when you finally put something out there, all of a sudden you realize where the conversation ended up is not even where it started. Because someone got mad about something and now we're on a rabbit trail or a dark hole. Or heaven forbid you post something pretty innocent that someone can turn around with Have you seen that this week? Maybe not. And if not, Lord bless you. And may he keep you hidden away from all those things. May he cause your face never to look upon it. May he go forth peace. Oh, I was talking about not untruth people. I was talking about truth people. See, because we've been sucked into this. I had already been thinking along this trail, and then I picked up something where someone just commented about how a daughter that was caught in public life glaring at her mother with pride, beaming with pride. And then the original poster was almost claimed to be a heretic. They posted a sentiment saying, I want my kids to beam with pride at me. And it wasn't by someone outside of our faith. It was by someone right inside of our faith. And this is what happens if we are not careful. This is what happens if we are not constantly doing as Paul will say next week, not necessarily this week, though it's tucked in. If we are not walking by the Spirit, we too will be that way. We too will mimic our world instead of transforming our lives. We, as Christ's people, have the ability to show a different way. That is the call. That has always been the call of God. Is that for God's people, His, those called by His name, started when He called Adam, Adam. And he had continued on as he called Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, and others. They were to call, they were to be seen in such a way that by being called by God's name, they were to be different than those around them, than the world of that they came from. Yet, as we read through scripture, that's not always been the case. Us. We, as human beings, we mess up. 
in Galatians, as he's trying to remind us believers who it is that we must live in, who we are, as he answers the question, who are God's people? Who are the people of God? What do they look like? What do they smell like? What do they talk like? Who are God's people? And I think it's the question that we ought to ask ourselves. Who are the people of God around us? What does that look like? Because see, as we get through with maybe today, we will have, I think, the ingredients that make up God's people. These things are the hallmarks, the ingredients of God's people. And so every day we should be able to come back and say, is this a part of my life? If, does someone see these things in me? If not, maybe I am not in the people of God. Now, I'm going to make a disclaimer right at the beginning. I do not believe that you can lose your salvation. There's a verse here that we just put it out there. There's a verse here uh, that says, um, Is, is, does Jesus 
Is he sufficient enough? Can he save completely, or is there something else you have to do? Because if there's something else you have to do, Christ doesn't save completely. He just starts the process. And what Paul is arguing about is, no, Christ in Christ alone is sufficient for your salvation. That's why he can say in the book of Romans, that whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord is saved. It doesn't mean that Paul in Scripture thinks that all you have to do is recite a prayer and you are good for all eternity. But if you don't have a faith, you can't confess something. And if you are confessing, you are showing your faith. The, the, the struggle is that the Judaizers, those Jewish Christians were trying to say, Jesus may start the process, but you've got to finish it with Moses as we've been talking about for weeks and weeks. But he's trying to say, not only are you must you have faith, but if you have faith, you are justified in, by, in, and through Christ. You say, well, which word is it? All of the above. It is because of Christ, by Christ you are justified. It is being in Christ that you are justified. And it is through Christ you are justified. He says, we have that verse 5, the spirit we eagerly await for by faith, the righteousness, the justification for which we have hope. You are justified. This is why he's going to go on and say, don't devour one another. Talking about believers. Don't devour one another. Verse 15. Don't fight one another. And watch out because if you do, you will be destroyed by one another. But if we understand we can justify in Christ, I don't have to fight Jim when he gets it wrong. And just because he bites me doesn't mean I have to fight back. Funny story. Um, you know, it wouldn't work well in nowadays, okay? But when I was little, uh, there was three of us in a car. My brother, sister, and I. Uh, my mom was driving. This was after my uh, dad's uh, death, I believe. And at one point in time, my brother bit me. And of course, I went out. Now, I don't know what I did. Uh-oh. It's been played out in modern territory. I see two little singles right here. All right? My brother bit me. So what did my mom do? As a single mother, she did the first thing that came to her mind. She stopped. She pulled over, we were on the interstate, she stopped, and she bit my brother back. Now, to horror, a car did the right thing and showed up and pulled up behind her, making sure everything was okay. Fortunately, she didn't have the guts to say, I just bit my son. But folks, if we realize who we are in Christ, we don't have to fight one another. We don't have to fight back. In fact, when we realize that we are justified in Christ, when the world fights us, we don't have to fight the world back. Because of who Christ is. The ingredient is because of our justification in Christ and through Christ and by Christ on his death and resurrection, I no longer live by that same standard. But man, is that hard, is it not? And in an angry world, as Christ follows, it is 
teachers, get lashed at. Our police officers, get lashed at. Our administrators, get lashed at. And man, this is the part I can imagine for them. Well, not only the work you were just kind of a little better. We wouldn't have this issue. Carol never thinks those thoughts that well. <laughs> never. <laughs> but she's going to make that a lot today. You know, Calvin never thinks those thoughts that well. Just wouldn't, you know, this will bring a law. I wouldn't have to talk to you. You know, never, right? Never. I didn't hear the soapbox, so you know. Oh, okay. You know, but you know, that's the thing. That we can be different. Do you have faith in Christ? That's one of the ingredients. Are you justified in Christ? Well, if you have faith in Christ, you are justified. See, he doesn't just say that. Is the Spirit controlling you? He says, we eagerly, through the Spirit, verse 5, we eagerly await. He will then go on to say in chapter 5 and below, so I say, walk by the Spirit. If you are in, if you are one of God's people, then you better be controlled by the Spirit of God, or you may not be in God's name. Which means if you're controlled by the Spirit of God, you're not controlled by other things. What Paul has been saying time and time again. Does the Holy Spirit have control of you? Now, the Holy Spirit isn't going to tell you something contrary to Scripture. We have it easier than the early church because we have the written Word of God. Okay? It's not going to do anything different than this. But are you controlled by the Spirit or our own ways of doing things? I know one of the things I've done over the past six years here is I've brought with many a feather because I will ask the question, can we do something different? Or just because we've done something that way forever and ever and ever doesn't mean we have to continue to do it that way forever and ever and ever. And sometimes, because we're familiar with the way it's always been done, that doesn't go over well. I know. I've heard. And I try to respond with grace. I hope I have. I probably have it knowing myself as I do. But sometimes we have to say the spirit is up to something different. Doesn't mean it's better. Doesn't mean it's worse. Just different. And I have to, when someone brings me in, I go, am I willing to entertain this new idea where the way I've always done it is the way I have to always do it? And it is a struggle. But if the Holy Spirit is controlling us, we start to see that there is beauty in where the Spirit is. Paul says in Corinthians, and you'll read it in your devotions, if you do the devotions that are available online, for those who watch online, bccaparis.com slash devotion, or in our faith life group. For those of you in person, if you have the little handout, you know, it's in there. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Which means sometimes we have to realize that being God's people means that there are different ways of doing the same thing. And it's okay. Lord, let's pray kind of ice cream. Cookies and cream. Ooh, I got a bunch of that next door. You want some? Okay. I didn't ask you. 
strawberry guy. Alright, your strawberry too? No. Alright, I got one kid that likes it. You like cookies and cream? No. No? Moose tracks. Moose tracks, sorry. Alright? If I were to say, if to be a believer in Jesus, you have to like as your favorite item strawberries, well, then you're just not part of God's people. I guess not. But sometimes we start to do things. Our preference becomes the way that means you're either in or you're out. And Paul says, what matters is are you controlled by the Spirit that you are given when you have faith in Jesus? Are you there? And then he goes on to say, this is what matters. Faith expressing itself or working itself out in love. I don't know, for some of you who are good Christians who've been around the church long enough, you have heard, whoops, I missed one, I'll get to it, then I'll go where I was going to go, faith expressing itself in love. For God so loved, he gave the same word. It's not a brotherly love, it is the love of God. I don't want to make too much of it, but we need to see it. Paul says, this is what matters. He's, he's fighting against whether knowledge matters, whether or not circumcision and act of the flesh matters. He says, those don't have value as much as this has value. Not that they're wrong. Not that circumcision necessarily was wrong and that it was better that you were circumcised or uncircumcised. He says, what matters is, does your faith produce love? Love towards God's people. Love towards those who love God. Love. We can agree to disagree, but how we disagree on that, just as much as whether or not we disagree. How we do it matters. You know, I said there's been a lot of blood and being split over whether one can lose their salvation or not lose their salvation. I've been on both sides. There's great arguments on both sides. But some of those that I admire the most within that debate are those who say, I can still love my brother or sister in the faith even though I think they're wrong on the doctrine of eternal security. And I go, that's the way it is. I can agree to disagree on many of Hill's doctrinal and theological. And I can do it as well. Just like I can let Jordan have as much cookies and cream ice cream without judging her negatively while I have my little job. And hope she doesn't judge me too much either without my struggle. And she doesn't know today. It's pretty like, oh, just do people know you for love? And here's the thing, though. If there's one way someone will hurt you the most, it is by rejecting your love. It is by throwing your love back at you. Or by doubting that you love. And is that not what happened to Jesus? That's why we get angry. It's a protection. Because if I'm angry, you're not going to, I don't have to worry about you hurting me too much. But if I love you and you reject me, now I have a pain, I've got to do something like 
much easier to be angry than it is to love. At least I found that to be true, and I think that's what Paul is saying. What's another characteristic ingredient of the people of God? The future is filled with hope. He says, we eagerly await, verse 5, through the Spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. Do you have hope? Do you have hope about the glorious thing we spoke about? Do you have hope that, that though you are a work in progress now, that he who began the work in you will see it to completion, as Paul says, I believe it is the book of Philippians. We'll carry it out. When you have that kind of hope, it also means you don't have to get it right now. You just got to continue to be on the pace. So where I was thinking I was already there and I wasn't, we have in these first 12 verses of chapter 5, we have the issue of faith. We have the issue of hope. We have the issue of love. Anybody who's been to a wedding will remember these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he says, In these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. The greatest of these isn't your knowledge of Jesus and your knowledge of Scripture. So that is important. The greatest of these things aren't that you just hope one day it all turns out. So that is important. The greatest of these isn't how you serve the Lord. So that is important. As you grow in faith, as you continue in the hope of the resurrection. But it is in the love. One has. This is why I think John wrote in a letter to at first John. We love why? Because he first loved us. When we devour one another, I realize I'm going into verse 15. Okay, and I really debated whether to go on. He goes on to say, serve one another humbly, how? In love. For the law, the entire law is fulfilled in giving this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you fight and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Love, love. When you find, when I find I am not being very loving, that means I have cut off the love of God. And I'm trying to do it on my own. No wonder Paul will say, I wish the people who want you to be circumcised would go ahead and just make themselves a unit. Which is interesting. Because in those day and age, see, the, 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 the issue here about circumcision, they were saying, that's how you know you're part of the people of God. And Paul's saying, no, no, it isn't about that. But if they really want to claim to be the people of God, you've got to go through this act, they need to become units. You know what that would make them? Not part of the people of God. Because units were to be passed away from the people of God in the Old Testament. And he wants them to know what matters. This matters. If you only hear one thing this morning, this is what you need to hear. He who has ears, she who has ears, may you hear the words of Paul. What matters is faith working itself, expressing itself out in love. That's 
but manners. Not a lot of other things. It's not that those things aren't important. They don't add value, but it push comes to shove. That's not what matters. So those are the ingredients, right? That's what makes up God's people. Are you in? Are you out? And notice people is always plural. Okay? People. So if that's the ingredient, what's the result? What do we get? As if it matters at this point. The results? Freedom. For freedom, Christ Jesus has set us free. But he continues. Freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand firm in your freedom in Christ. And do not let yourself be burdened again by another yoke of slavery. Freedom is not you get to do whatever you want to do. Freedom is not you finding yourself. That's what our world will tell us, but that is not freedom. Freedom is finding who we are in Christ and being yoked to Christ. And then we find true freedom. But it is the yoke of Christ. Jesus didn't say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will go let you do whatever you want. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. We don't get that in modern. I mean, Leland, you no longer have two oxen or two horses tied to the yoke that help plant your field, do you? I know your daughter knows how to do that still, doesn't she? Okay, that's a different process of farming. Now, for some, some farmers get on there, they push a button, and the tractor will do all the work. It's pretty amazing a lot of works. You know, it's pretty amazing. But what Jesus said, take my yoke. Are you going to be yoked up with Jesus? Or are you going to be yoked with someone else? Because see, with Jesus, it's not about whether or not you find out who you really are. You will find out who he is. And when you find out who he is and who you are in him, you're like, I can do this. I can love my neighbor. I can pray for those who persecute me. I can love my enemy. I can pronounce forgiveness in a way of I can forgive someone not because they deserve it, but because Christ has forgiven me. And his words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I can live with hope. And so in this freedom, we must keep running. Finish strong. Paul says, you were running a good race, and then someone cut you off. I've done enough five days in my past. I'm going to go many more uh, for Jesus. I've done one half marathon, and that's good enough for me. I have no desire to do a full, okay? But I know when I was running a little bit, that one of the worst things that can happen is someone cut in front of you, and now all of a sudden you kind of, you try to catch your step. I don't know, Strader boys, if you've ever experienced that, or a track. 
say, let's keep going. The Spirit's doing something good. So please, please, but let's not let dumb stuff in the way. And some of that is, that's not the way we've done it. Know that. I wasn't here 50 years ago to do it that way. I'm not who I was here 50 years ago. I was not start around me. I'm not Pastor Jim. Someday I don't know who I am except for Christ. Let us run with endurance the race that has been marked out for us in love. And when we do that, when we have our faith that will look up, we will then be able to look